0: We have a theme today. Not only is it Mother's Day, but it's going to be Shepherd's Day as well. And I suspect that many mothers have felt like shepherds along the paths. Uh, how many people here have taught? I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I'm, my, my goodness. OK. Well, you, didn't count up. you didn't get us. 11, 12, 13. (laughs) So have I. All right. So you're going to appreciate, um, you're going to appreciate, I think, the sermon, uh, maybe even a little bit more than this. We're going to start out this morning reading some scriptures. They all have a tie in together. The first scripture is from Revelation, and Holly's got that. Uh, We're going to be reading from Revelation 7, 9 through 17. Now, if you go to the first eight verses of Revelation 9, uh, John's vision is of seeing 12,000 from each of the original tribes of Israel being given the mark kind of like to protect them from when the you know the, the death angel comes over. Well he's got puts the mark on him. But then we get into verses 9 through 17 where we see what started in the Old Testament has moved in and the family of God, the lamb who was slain, have been brought all together. And they are all one family. If you would, please.
1: After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. All the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They fell down on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, These in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, Sir, you know. And he said, These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. Hmm. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes
0: a vision. What a vision. And then in the uh, John chapter 10, verses 22 through 30, again, to give you a little context, uh, Jesus has just told them in in, uh, verse 14 that I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And then he goes on to talk about, I have other sheep that are in other pens. And and he goes on. And so shortly thereafter, he is uh, walking through the colonnade of the temple. It's during the Feast of Dedication. We know it pretty much as Hanukkah. And he's asked some questions. Then came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple area walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews gathered around him, saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I tell you, but you do not believe. No one, no one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. And then finally, uh, the text for the sermon, Psalm 23. Now, we traditionally hear this at funerals. But it is really a story of a Christian journey, if I may. And I would invite you, I, I, actually, I actually printed it out because I know it, I learned it in the King James, and then I get it confused with some of the other ones. So I'm going to read it this morning uh, to make sure that I do not, uh, do not slip from one to the other. The Psalm of David, a psalm that was sung. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God. to God, amen, and amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I, you are here, the good shepherd. You know each of our names, and you are calling them now. Speak clearly through me and to me, to each of us. Fill us with your spirit, to your glory, we pray, amen, and amen. Mrs. Morgan, not her real name is on a field trip with 35 third grade students. They're going to the city of Raleigh for a day in the capital, day in the city experience. They're going to the state capitol building. They're walking from the state capitol building past the governor's mansion to the Explorers Museum, which is not the Explorers Museum anymore, but it was a hands-on thing, it was really a lot of fun, not too many years ago. They will eat box lunches downtown in the downtown park, which will be quite fun. They'll walk on sidewalks. They will obey traffic signals. They will have a buddy at all times. What could possibly go wrong? (sighs) My goodness gracious sakes. But fortunately, Mrs. Morgan is not alone. Another teacher is with her, as well as one teacher's assistant and two parents and yours truly, the chief of security for Cumberland County Schools, on a fact-finding mission to find out what it takes to get 35 kids from an elementary school to Raleigh, through all the experiences, and get them all home safely. And Mrs. Morgan was the one the principal recommended that I go along and visit and see. See Mrs. Morgan run. See Mrs. Morgan pull out her cell phone and and start pushing buttons quickly. See Mrs. Morgan calling over a police officer. See Mrs. Morgan's vision of losing her job. What's wrong? Could have been any one of a number of things. I mean, on the trip up, we had Rosie, who almost upchucked and was complaining of a bad stomach. We had Little Junior, who had his mom's snack pack that she carefully had packed for him in case he got hungry, and it was missing. We found it before he got off the bus, but it may have been missing again. We had two young ladies that were having problems. They needed the bathroom. We had some bathroom emergencies that were taking place that morning. But the truth is, it's actually worse child is missing after three head counts is confirmed one kid is a wall. and now Mrs. Morgan needs to determine who that child is Now, what I'd like to do is take Psalm 23 and I'd t- like for you and I to go on a field trip together. Maybe a little different way of looking at the song. Our trip leader is my shepherd. The 35 third graders are sheep. We are the sheep. And the shepherd, being a good shepherd, knows anything and everything... <laughs> can go wrong. Some of the sheep will get sick. Others will wander off if not monitored carefully. Some will bleat like crazy because they sense a predator nearby. Some will just do stupid things and deliberately avoid the shepherd. According to Isaiah 53.6, we we all are like sheep and we've gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. And here's the thing. When a shepherd leads the sheep from the holding pen or the fold, he's officially on a field trip. Now, Bobby and I have been to Israel. Michael's been to Israel. I remember when we were in a Bedouin area, I saw a shepherd taking a group of sheep out from a pen out into what appeared was basically the desert. He had a dog. Now, I must tell you the research is inconclusive as to whether a third-grade teacher with 35 eight-year-olds has a harder job than a shepherd with 35 sheep. We're not sure about that. But on this field trip, The shepherd will need to feed the flock, provide nap time, lead them carefully when passing through narrow and dangerous areas, open up a first aid kit as needed, feed them again, and finally lead them home. In other words, the shepherd has to be a provider, protector, a healer, And a host. Now, David describes his situation as being without want, or as if you see in the NIV, lacking nothing. These opening words of this amazing psalm are often recited without comprehending the astonishing assertion that they lack for nothing. Isn't there something perhaps the Lord and shepherd is missed or forgotten or, or, or neglected? Yet David says he lacks for nothing when the Lord is the shepherd. And we're going to have to take his word for it. But I wonder if other biblical figures feel the same way as David. Think of Elijah. Here he is, out in the wilderness, Queen Jezebel is charging against him, and and he pauses, where? Underneath the broom tree, right? He's underneath the broom tree, and he complains to God, I am the only one in all of Israel that has remained faithful. In fact, he says it this way, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I, I alone am left, and they're seeking my life, or take it away, just to take it away. Now, do you think Elijah thought that he was lacking nothing? Or think about what happened to the post-Egypt Israelites freed from the bondage of Egypt. Now they're in the wilderness, and they've been out there for what, 40 years. Did they believe they lacked for nothing? Perhaps not, because they sure sniveled a lot. But God once reminded them that although they'd not crossed into the Jordan, into the promised land, that they were indeed lacking for nothing. Deuteronomy 2.7 Surely the Lord your God has blessed you in all your undertakings. He knows you're, go- he knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years of the Lord your, Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Or think about the men and women of faith in Hebrews people who've suffered for the faith, people who any reasonable observer would say, my goodness, lacked many things. Yet as the writer of Hebrews notes, these people past and present filter, filter their experiences through faith. And what is faith? Assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You know, sometimes our situation might be analogous to a kid on a field trip. No doubt at times, those kids, and I asked this morning, and I had every hand, didn't I, I had every hand up. I said, how many of you on a field trip have been bored? <laughs> how many of you suffered? How many of you have been pushed to the limits or deprived? all these hands going up. The the reality is that this is Morgan is taking care of them perfectly, providing everything the child needs, even if they don't think so. I bet you skipped a verb in verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Sounds like the eight-year-old coming home to mom, talking about the trip leader. She made me walk in single file. She made me take a rest. She made me stay with my buddy. She made me be quiet. (laughs) Now, we're not children. But hopefully we are mature believers who understand that, you know, it's hard to take the long view that only God truly knows what each of us needs for the present moment. And that's why when we follow Jesus, the Good Shepherd, we do it as an act of faith. We know that we're going to be taken care of and provided with everything that we need for our well-being. Shepherd David says, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths. The good shepherd provides. He's also a protector. Now, my experience in Germany, and we've <laughs> run into some sheep in Germany, um, is that they prefer sun to shadows. But you know what? Sometimes the shepherd has to lead sheep through dark places and deep valleys. But the shadows are long and dark. Bobby and I lived just outside of Frankfurt in a uh, military housing area called Bad Fibble. And there were these huge open green pastures. And a couple times a year, the shepherd would come through with hundreds of sheep. In fact, there were a couple of shepherds and several dogs. And they'd be walking right down the main street. Tra- I mean, they took the sidewalk, they took, they took the curb, they took the road. Everything stopped until they got from this particular pasture to the next particular Pasture. (laughs) I haven't seen it personally out west, but the same thing happens I know a lot out there. Mrs. Morgan certainly had that same task. On more than one occasion, she and her teacher's aides led this flock of 35 kids across streets and intersections. The lights were always green. The crossing lights were on, cars stopped. Now, I confess that we didn't always make it across before the light changed back again because kids were, oh, look at this, look at that. It was like hurting a bunch, (laughs) it was precious. But she made sure we got from point A to point B. And they were really unaware of just how much Mrs. Morgan was anticipating what could go wrong and adjusting as she went. It wasn't until later, as a parent, that I started to appreciate some of the stuff that my mom did, that my teachers did, because I expected my kid to appreciate it. They didn't always understand. However, David shows it. He'd been referring to the shepherd as my shepherd. He was referring to him in the third person, describing this is what my shepherd does. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. He, he, he. But then, then he addresses the shepherd directly. Even though I walk through the valley, the darkest valley, the shadow of death, I fear no evil for what? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. David realizes that something special is happening. So he turns to the shepherd, and the words reveal a sense of amazement and appreciation. Basically, saying, I know what you're doing. You're taking care of me, you're protecting me, and I am grateful. Now, we all know that it's not always green pastures, it's not always still waters and the path is not always if ever strewn strewn excuse me with rose petals sometimes the valleys and the dark paths are necessary sometimes the shepherd well and the shepherd can't make predators go away but david recognizes one thing in the midst in the midst of the valley while walking dark pathways, while surrounded by predators, the shepherd is right there. we are not having to do this alone. Now, he's also a healer. It might seem surprising, but sheep stumble. They run into things. You watch those cute little lambs that roll around, and they stumble, and they bobble, and they fall. In fact, (laughs) one expert testifying before a Senate subcommittee called it ovine ineptitude. Now I'm not sure what you would call it with kids, but they do, too, do crazy things. They trip. They run into each other. They bump into walls. They break noses. Mrs. Morgan said, I don't think there's ever been a field trip without some incident or accident. And, of course, Mrs. Morgan, whose teacher's assistant had this big old first aid pack that she was carrying with her, and parents admitted that they had Band-Aids stuffed in their pockets. The stuff you have to have when you go on a trip. Well, they were prepared. But so was the good shepherd. And speaking directly to the shepherd, David says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now we know that in those ancient times, when we had a guest of honor that would come and we were sitting down for a banquet, it was not unusual at all to anoint their head with oil. But in the context of a shepherd with sheep out in the pastures or navigating between pastures, not only does a shepherd have to be a a guard, a dietician, a pathfinder, a traffic cop, but he's also going to be a doc or at least a, a good nurse. Psalm 147 says, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. The shepherd has to have knowledge of medicine. He has to, to know how to treat most common sheep injuries. A shepherd knew what to do when the sheep had injured themselves or had been injured by a predator. Now, our injuries, our injuries may be of body, mind, spirit. Our suffering might be physical. It might be psychological. You know, we could be brokenhearted. We're simply broken. We might be at loose ends or not know which end is up. The shepherd knows how to heal wounds, where to pour the oil. Shepherd knows where it hurts. And then the shepherd leads the sheep home. And when he leads them home, he becomes kind of like a host. The one who began the psalm as a shepherd is the Lord dwelling in a house at the end of the psalm. David has already alluded to the shepherd as the host with references to the table that's prepared, the anointing of oil, the cup that runs over. It's almost a scene with the Eucharistic overtones. But now David reminds us that the shepherd is always aware that he's got to get the flock to a safe place by nightfall. He leads them to the fold. He takes them to a safe place. In this safe place, David uses metaphor for our eternal home. We are led at last to the house of the Lord, where we shall spend eternity. You've already heard it read, but I'm gonna It's worth repeating. Revelation 7, 16 and 17. And in this eternal home, they will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. What an image! Whatever perils you and I face in this life, we can be confident. We can live confidently knowing that the Good Shepherd will faithfully lead us to our eternal home. And this, you remember, is exactly what Mrs. Morgan was attempting to do. Get the kids home. And when we last left her, she had a kid that was missing. Let me tell you, as Paul Harvey used to say, the rest of the story. The little boy, the little boy had a doctor's appointment in Raleigh. His father worked in Raleigh. The father joined them for lunch. The father took the child with him to the doctor's appointment there was a little more to this story too. Mom, the day before, had meant, met meant to tell the teacher, but when, when she picked up her child, but the phone rang just before the kids were let out. She was on the phone, and her son hops in the car, and she drives off, and she goes, oh my goodness, and she said, I thought I had the teacher's number, and so she said, I called, but I I had the wrong number. I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a place. She didn't know where to get it. So she said, well, I'll make sure he, she finds it in the morning. She was not driving the next morning. So she called the school to get a message to the teacher. The teacher never got the message. Now, why the father didn't turn around, and let somebody know. But what happened was once they determined who it was and they determined, well, last time he had been counted, they were at the snack, I mean, they were out in the park. Somebody said, well, I saw his dad. But I didn't see him going away together. She finally, she had the mom's phone number because she was a good teacher. She got a hold of the mom and the mom said, yes, I know that she was ready for this field trip to be over. And it just, if anything can go wrong, it will go wrong. The good good shepherd, however, is not going to lose track of you and me. That's the good news. David writes, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Although beady-eyed predators may follow the flock, waiting for an opportunity to strike, David says in that case, goodness and mercy follow him, not predators. To whom in any case, he's protected. And then he adds, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The implication is that he will experience the presence of the good shepherd throughout his entire life and on into eternity. Uh, All in all, I would commend a rather good field trip to be a sheep in God's presence. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.